Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Hi. TVI. Episode 120. Carl here. Hi. Hi. Julian. <laughs> Hi, Julian. Hi, man. <laughs> uh, welcome back. Episode 120. We back. We back in the same country, same time zone. Uh, we've got a very funny, very good guest today, Garrett Millerick. Um, Garrett, who I again, this once he's done that sort of over a hundred episodes, you just don't remember who's been on it. I just yeah, assumed yeah. Garrett had already been on it, and he and he hadn't. So it's good he finally we finally got him on. We have a fun chat about all sorts. Uh, that's it, really, isn't it? Any any admin? We've got we got we're gonna. Um, we we'll, uh, won't say it now. We've got an announcement about uh, sort of episodes going forward. We're gonna we're gonna start maybe moving some back to being in real life when we're in the same room. IRL, uh, mate, studio exactly. style. Sort of. I think we'll keep a split though, because it's nice for guests who aren't London based to be able to yeah. get them on Zoom is nice, isn't it? Mm. But you know, other than that, I think we're gonna try and start doing some cool real life ones. Uh, maybe even might be filmed and go out online. Who knows? That'd be nice. So, uh, we'll, we'll announce that when once we, all the details are confirmed. But other than that, for now, you've got us chatting to Garrett Millerick. Thanks to all our patrons who've signed up. Patreon.com forward slash WeRTVI. Go on there, watch. If you sign up now, you go back and you can literally watch 18 months worth of bloody catch-ups that are ones that have never gone out in public. There we go. There we are. There we are. Enjoy the heat. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy, enjoy life. <laughs> you went all robot as you said that. Enjoy your life. Did I? Yeah, yeah it's quite, it was well-timed. It was a well-timed robot voice. Enjoy your life. Um, right, thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy <laughs> us chatting to Garrett Millerick. We're Hi everyone, welcome back to TVI, episode 120, uh, with me, Big Carl up. Donnelly. Julian Dean. And guest, Garrett Millerick. Hello. All the way from, where do you live? You live in Colchester. Chelmsford. Chelmsford, that's the yeah. sort of, I know the direction. Yeah. Um, how's Chelmsford currently? It's been after years of not liking it very much um, and feeling like bad that i left london should never have left london then we had this big old global pandemic and uh you know having a very small garden two bedrooms and shops you didn't have to queue at yes absolutely lovely mm. i mean nice. we've talked about this a lot during the how pandemic. come you didn't have to queue you just can fuck the queues off easy you just jump queues easier there they just were none they just were none we got like a little printed super... yourself a fake nhs badge <laughs> <laughs> went full nurse's uniform and summers <laughs> Just rolling in, sorry guys. You know, I've got to get dressed like Doctor Who. Get to my U. Uh, what was a key called? worker here. Key worker. <laughs> I've got to get to my ICU shift, guys. Get Pushing out the, way. the pregnant women out of my key worker here. Key, coming <laughs> yeah, through. Yeah. Coming through. I'm sorry. I need the last. Need my bread. cigarettes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so yeah. So it's just a, a quieter area, basically. Not London. Yeah. It was a. It was a quieter. Area. It didn't get. Uh, it didn't get very hectic around here during the pandemic. Um, it was is, a. It's an interesting one. Like, because I live in. Like I've, I've, I was in, the, I, had, I had the experience of the both extremes in the, yeah. where I live in Harleston. At one point, it was the worst place in like the UK or something like that. We, we were on the news; they were interviewing people on Harleston High Street about like how bad the cases were around here. It's because it's, um, you know, it's quite a poor area. It's quite densely populated, and it's got yeah. a lot of people that 
were either key workers or worked or were in low paid jobs that had to work throughout do you know what i mean they weren't people that were getting furloughed and shit so it was like a sort of a real hotbed of cases um but we live in a nice two-bedroom place with a garden like so we yeah. were very like felt felt a bit like hidden away from it all but you literally come out of my ass turn left and you're suddenly in like sort of the fucking you know the guts of the covid pandemic it was a weird feeling and like tesco's was weird as a massive queue so and- do you have a huge amount of middle class guilt about your garden are you sitting there going oh, absolutely not i was like this is fucking <laughs> this is what this is what you fucking pay for no mate, poor loud sign up yeah definitely <laughs> No junk mail. No poor people. No Get junk fucking hands off my doorbell, you freaks. <laughs> start sanitising the door, the doorbell when they knock. Look at us in disgust. I've got an electric, electrified thing on it. Just... Shan't be clapping on a Thursday, not because I'm against the idea, I just don't want to mix with a bad yeah, element. Totally. Exactly. I didn't, I didn't, do you know what? I didn't do clap for the NHS just because... Um... You don't respect them. <laughs> I, just I was like clapped hey, for covid on a you're friday a big, that, yeah that's the thing he's just like well, we live in a very poor area but we do have a two-bedroom house with a garden and booper so basically yeah, I, yeah. I didn't want people to be able so to no see thank my, you i didn't want people to be able to see in the front door and see how nice it is yeah uh, shut so. my window at 6 p.m on thursday <laughs> yes i've got quite a lot of bottled water and that's for me but i like this area genuinely like i've sort of been here for a best part of a decade like and uh it is i'm it's a funny thing is we were on the very edge of harlesden right uh and like literally if you turn left you're in harlesden but if you turn right you're in kensal and kensal is like it's like it's, this is the fascinating thing about london you get like mad posh next to mad poor do you know oh I mean? yeah yeah i used to live in west norwood like right on the on, on the borderline with dulwich and it was that if you turn right out yeah, the flat, yeah, yeah. you were at dulwich college and if you turned left out the flat you're on norwood high street yeah, yeah in like in two minutes either end yeah it's crazy like, i suppose it's like blackheath and lewisham in it do you know what i mean Blackheath. you walk down that hill from blackheath and it gets sort of like you go from literally living in Sort of the the Victorian times Thank where there's you. like people ride, like riding their horses on Blackheath. Commons. There is horses yeah. that go past the window. Yeah, yeah quite they do. Often. There's the horse. There's the stables on Blackheath. I'll but then you walk down out. Lewisham and there's like just fucking nutters and shit just everywhere, isn't it? That's what I find here. Like there is like you know proper one of the poorest areas of London yeah. there. And if you I, the other day I about I walked on the other day. It's probably fucking. Um, three weeks ago i walked past the house uh with a for sale sign over the road just literally the road directly opposite me that is you know within you can see harlesden and i just out of curiosity i was like i wonder how much that's going for it's quite a nice look like sort of free bed you know it's always it's not a detached or anything it's just like a sort of terraced house it's going for 1.2 million pounds okay now did you buy it um, I fought, uh, petrol bombed it. <laughs> We'd say if I buy it or trash it. That was the two options, mate. I went for if option two. buy so it or destroy I, it. I was in a bad frame of mind. I just lost it. <laughs> if I can't buy it, no one can. I'm sorry. I'd like to now publicly apologise to the owners. I, I lived uh, in... the uh, corpses. I lived in Peckham for ages and then... Um, then I, I moved to East Dulwich, you know, real up in the world. And then I was there in East Dulwich for three days and got mugged. It's fucking, and, yeah. Because no one poli- mugs anyone in like, it, shit areas. I've never yeah, had a single that's, bit of problem. That's, ex- that's exactly what the police said to me. And I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. And he explained it to me. I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense. You, yeah, go, where, like, you yeah, go where the it's job It's a better is. business model, isn't it, for the muggers? Yeah. If you're a mugger, you go where the fucking, you know, where the work is, as they would say. Like, you know, you've got to... 
Is yeah. the police the police said to me, I was like, oh, so you got mugged uh, just up here. Yeah, that is actually the only bit of this street that isn't covered by CCTV. And it's like, oh, oh right, so yeah, it's like they know. <laughs> you know Clever boys. <laughs> Clever uh, muggers. Did they get anything <laughs> off of you? Uh, they got my uh, girlfriend's purse, which had... Uh, oh, anything I, of yours, though? Anything important? No, 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 no. I was fine. Oh. No, no, no. It was absolutely fine. Just uh, Good yeah. job, lads. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> Although I had just taken her out for a very uh, nice meal for uh, a day after Valentine's Day, because uh, we were both working on Valentine's Day. So we'd had a really lovely evening. So in many ways, they took the evening away from us, which they was interesting. Oh. Yeah. But, you know, that's um, they have got to, you know, they've got to make their money. So, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a job, you know what I mean? It is a job, I know, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I was really impressed with the police, though, because they, they showed up in this, like, souped-up car, like, loads of suspension stuff, and all the police show, showed up, and they, they all looked about 12 and were wearing hoodies and stuff, and they were like, <laughs> do you want to come in our car and drive around Peckham? Oh, really? They were like, yeah, yeah, they're, they're the undercover mugger squad. Did you get, um, did you catch the muggers? No, no, we didn't. And then um, it was we were mugged. The cops by... mugged you again. <laughs> but we were, they were just we were in by... roles for so long they forgot. We, we were mugged by three white guys, and then uh, we went. I went to do the identity parade on on a laptop, and they bring up all the the uh, the pictures of the the, the local ne'er do wells, and. Um, we were sat there, and the, the guy was like, "Okay, if you want to go through." So I went through about three, and it, I said, it's, uh, "It's a bit of a problem." The guy was like, "What?" And I was like, "These are exclusively pictures of, of black people." And I did say that we were mugged by three white guys, and the guy like nearly <laughs> fell over out the door, and there was this <laughs> huge commotion yeah, happening yeah, outside. Yeah. They came and it was like, oh, "Terribly sorry, we just loaded up the uh, uh, police." <laughs> I pressed the like, wrong Don't, button. It's all right, mate. I won't tell anyone about this until I'm on, on a podcast yeah, in yeah, ten yeah. years' time. <laughs> <laughs> What's that they say about institutional racism yeah, no, in the right. police force? But yeah. then they did when they brought up the pictures of uh, of the guys who were um, uh, the, the 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 local people who were sort of known to be muggers and stuff. All the pictures are any of these. All these pictures, of these guys just like snarling, like, like real kind yeah, of yeah, fucky yeah. facial expressions. And he thought like, if you just put on a neutral facial expression when they took your photograph, you get so just less like likely me? to be picked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not guilty. Just walk yeah, no, with a big old little... grin on your face yeah. all the time. <laughs> just look up at a corner, get a good headshot. Yeah, yeah. Be lucky. <laughs> Do the comedian one with the hand coming out the back of the oh, head. Oh, God, just rubbing your head. Holding a mic stand with a loosened bow tie. <laughs> just a, a paisley shirt. One of those nineteen um, thirties microphones that you see a lot in yeah. comedy clubs these yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, of course. But yeah, they, they, whenever I see one of them on a fucking some poster, pruner, I'm like, yeah. that photographer needs to be headbutted, mate. A lot of the a lot a lot of the comedy photographer tropes is like, come on, you got four things. You can't. We're, it's a very small pool of people. You can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was one time my PR uh, put me onto this photographer site. So it's really good. And then me, Alfie Brown, and like three or four other people all ended up with the same shots to be paid for. And we're like Fucking same hell. background and everything. And like well, we're all gonna have to have these redone. Yeah. Like, it's... <laughs> yeah. Another six hundred quid. <laughs> there tends to be. There goes through. It te- I find it goes through phases of like. Right, oh, now we're all against a yellow backdrop looking sort of slightly wistful. And we go for a four-year period where every poster's that. And, you know, every and before that, it's sort of, oh, everything's a novelty poster or something that suddenly we're all, you know, it feels... We've, a had, we've like had a decade. We've had drawn. a decade. I would agree with you. It's it sort of, it goes in sort of two to four-year things. But the, the decade of the... Uh, we are not smiling. We look like, like lots of people scowling, and they look like you're about yeah, to be told yeah, yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I said that about my show last year, uh, or whenever the last one we were allowed to do was. That I ended up on the poster. It only occurred to me like two days into the run. I ended up looking like somebody who was trying to be 
like elected the leader of a revolution that nobody asked for. <laughs> <laughs> Stern expression on the face. Yeah, it's um, you know, I, I, I don't think there should be any rules to posters. Don't get me wrong. I think it's an absolute free for all. But you know, there is sometimes you can just see. You can see a poster sometimes and know who's producing the show. So you're like, oh, right, that's one of their... They've organised the photo shoot. They've sort of slightly overly directed the production and the graphic design. And just they all their posters look like the same sort of thing. And it's almost like you think, hang on, they're doing that for their own branding, essentially. Whereas yeah. the comedian should have absolute control over what their poster is. Are you getting into a conspiracy about big agencies now using other people's money to secure their branding? Because that's, no, I mean, I Edinburgh's think... happening again this year. Let's get into it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it is, wait, let's wait and see what the poster selection is before we talk, you know. Are you, are you doing Edinburgh, Garrett? Uh, yeah, I am. I'm doing, I'm doing five days, I think. Okay, oh, okay. That's, cool. that's a nice little... Yeah, it Run. seems like it seemed like a good idea. They they caught up and they were like, okay, in this one time slot, you're doing like five days, and then Pierre Novelli's doing the same time time slot for like five days afterwards, and then someone else is taking. I was like, great, just just pop up. That's five how days. Edinburgh hopefully will continue I to know, go. But then there is a few people I've seen doing a full run. I'm like, you fucking mad! Yeah, fuck off, Literally to on. go from two years of like nothing essentially to suddenly go, I'm going to do a full run. I just did, uh, you know, I was very lucky to do the Melbourne Comedy Festival. I was in Melbourne for five months. Pure sort of, you know. How did you get out? Well, basically, um, towards the end of the year, we had a, you know, we had a a baby who was starting to become very mobile. We were in winter lockdown here. We were like, we want to be in, we want to get to Australia so she can spend time with her grandparents at this quite crucial stage of her development. And um, so we applied for an exemption for me to be allowed into Australia my wife is Australian. My daughter is registered as an Australian born overseas. So uh, she's nice. got dual passports from birth. So basically, we managed to get me an exemption and got in and did quarantine and all that business. And it sort of all coincided with Melbourne announcing they were doing the festival. Uh, and then I, I was like, guys, I'm going to be in the country. And they were like, fucking, let's have you then, because we've got no internationals, essentially. So I ended up just going from a winter lockdown with no gigs i was doing a couple of zoom gigs a week and i suddenly went into doing an intense like two month period of like full-on gigs so i did the comedy festival then i went and did road show and did sydney comedy festival i went on this like nice. and I, it was the most exhausting thing i've ever done because I, I was out of practice do you know what i mean it was yeah, yeah. like normally with edinburgh you go into it off quite an intense period of previews so you sort of are a bit gig fit but fuck, man, I was knackered at Melbourne just because I was like, this is, I'm just, I'm not fit for this at the minute. So are you coming to Edinburgh to do a full run this summer to show everyone how it's done? Like, you've been, you've been in the gym, you're going to show off your comedy abs. I'm not even going up to the city for the month. I'm going to let everyone else do it. Nice. Sit back and watch how it goes because I'm so paranoid that the Scottish government have a bit of a hair trigger. And, you oh, know, yeah, I, anything I, I, could happen I'm, where it just goes at the last minute. Do you know yeah, what I mean? I'm still sort of ten percent on whether or not it'll happen, but I thought, mm. sod it, I'll put it. I'll They're put doing it a lot online, aren't they, Edinburgh this year or not? Yeah, there's. I think, yeah, there's, there's, I I think, think the there plan are options was to do for that. It, yeah. yeah, I've not read one email. I've just been been in the market. <laughs> so I was just, <laughs> like, just oh, read. So you, you, I just saw online. You, I think you're not. You're not interested. You're, you're not coming up. No. <laughs> no, I mean Julian's not interested in going up in normal, normal years. I've never liked, I've never liked it really. If to be honest, just I wouldn't mind like, a little five like days. To, sounds you, nice, mate. You'd still hate that. You hate doing normal gigs. I like it if, I, like it if I if the 
local. You like them if they're um, local and there's literally no pressure whatsoever on the gig. I um, I was in Manchester Friday. I drove there, but I got a hotel like halfway. Um, but that was lovely. But it's still so far. Yeah, yeah, it's a trek. But I do, yeah. I don't think there's any way that Edinburgh could work that you would enjoy it. I genuinely say that as somebody. I do. I genuinely who... don't <coughs> enjoy the buzz or anything of it. No. Well, the worst thing about uh, this year was the just to got asked to do five days. And like, okay, yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's my wife's birthday just after it, it, the the run finishes. So I was like, can oh. you swerve that then? Yeah. Uh, no, no, she's going to come. So I was like, you, oh, me and the baby sorry, can sorry. go camping. No, I was, I was like, okay, we can, because normally her birthday is ruined by Edinburgh. So I was managed to turn this one into something of a sort of opportunity. Uh, it's like, That's okay, good. We can go on a little Get a free after. ticket to your show as a present or something. I think so, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd, I'll be like, I'll get you a venue pass. If it's the day before, <laughs> then she pays, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if we've sold out. Yeah, yeah, yeah No. Can. I mean, that's yeah. money. That's Sorry, money there's, only, there's a few press holes left, but we are hoping that we get some reviews. Yeah, yeah. And she, like, at the end, she hasn't got a job at the moment, so I'm the, I'm the one breadwinner. So I'm, you know, we can't entertain yeah. that. So like, if you and the yeah. baby want food, you're going to have to have a. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk your about own show, baby, because I've not spoken to you since that happened. Yeah, um, yeah. Because we gigged together just before, you, and yeah. you meant you told me you told me when it was it was it was going to happen, which was great news. Yeah. Um, so how, when when did the baby show up? February. February, uh, lovely yeah. stuff. Um, how are you finding it? I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I have to admit, I'm not doing the heavy lifting, uh, obviously, because of the feeding and things. So I, um, I'm, I'm, re- I'm really having a good time. Which you, you told me that was the first thing when I told you my wife was pregnant. You just said you're going to have such a good time, and you're, it's, you're it's correct. Quality. I genuinely yeah. still feel like either I'm mental. Or I've been lied to for for my whole life because like we're now at you know she's coming up to fourteen months old, and I love I just love it I love spending time with her constantly like there's no part of me like I'm doing Birmingham this weekend gigs right yeah I've I've worked out the trains where I can get as late a train as possible today because uh, I'm closing the gig so I can get a late train at dinner time <coughs> do the gig I can get the last train back from Birmingham to be mm. back at like one in the morning whatever wake up home tomorrow, spend a day, and then go as late as possible to Birmingham tomorrow. And I can't get back, so I'm getting the earliest train on Sunday. Like That is how desperate I am to not spend time away from her. And she's yeah, 14 d- months old. I did I did find when everything opened back up, I kind of threw myself into club gigs. And I did two weekends on the trot. And I found it really miserable. I've never, like, yeah, I've never, I've never bothered being on the road before. I was, shit. Sitting, I was sitting in a shit hotel room in Cardiff, just on my phone looking at pictures of my daughter, being like, I don't really want to... Don't, mate, honestly, I don't really. I know you know. You sort of, I'm used to hearing stories of guys like when they're like going, "Oh, mate, I'm so glad to be away. I just get a good night's sleep." And I'm just like, I don't care about any of that shit. I can live without sleep. Do you know what I mean? It's fine. Yeah. I um like I hadn't spent a night anywhere away from her uh, for her first year of her life, just or just under a year. So I'd never ever been away. Um, obviously that was COVID dependent, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but then in Australia, then I, I had to do this thing called the road show, which is like a tour after the Melbourne Comedy Festival. And I, I had to spend five nights away. And it was, I, I was, I was miserable. Like normally the road show is a party and you're like, ooh, I just sort of just moped around, sort of feeling like I was, I didn't want to be there. And I loved the gigs. The gigs were great when I was on stage, but yeah, the rest of it, I was just a bit sad. Well, maybe I'm this a bit is like this that is, in Edinburgh. This, yeah, this yeah. explains Julian's antipathy because you've been a father for quite some time, haven't you? Mm. 
So, I think that's it. I really, the first time I went, 2010, I like, I missed my kids so much. Yeah. Like, I felt choked for the first, when I got to the room, because you got this, it was my first full run in Edinburgh. I was doing the big value and I got to the, we booked the accommodation. I got to it. It was right on Nicholson Street. I, I don't know what picture I had in my head, but I got there and it was just like this dead room. <laughs> And like there was, it was the first, you know, when you're the first one, one on the flat. thin pillow, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and it was like this single bed. Oh man, them way thin Edinburgh pillows, man. I felt choked in my throat, like, yeah. and I and I knew I had the whole month there. And as it went on, and no one could relate, no one else had kids. Yeah, everyone was yeah. partying and loving the vibe, and it was just sensory yeah. overload. And I was just sitting in like. And the, you know the caves, it's like a nightclub in the yeah, night, yeah, and yeah. just sitting there, like missing my kids. <laughs> <laughs> and like the only one guy who Damp had walls and stuff. It's, yeah, and like things would drip. It was like fucking so dank in there. Really. I mean, it's, it's great, it's a great venue. But like things were dripping off onto my arm when I'm like on stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the gigs I loved, but it was just the rest of it and a yeah, whole month of 23 it. 23 hours of the day. I think that's a big part of it, like having kids, yeah. Yeah, that's, it's yeah. totally changed my whole view of being away for any sort of longer than a few hours from my house. That is all it's done. But, Look at um, us, c- cool modern dads being like, yeah, we I know. bloody love our kids. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't know, if, but I genuinely don't know if it's a generational thing or if it's a personal thing. Or So I know, I still know, I've got mates who have kids who definitely love being away from them. Like, you know, I've been on, I've got a routine about stag dudes when you go on it and there's always a guy oh. who fucking hates his life. And like, my, my brother-in-law stag dude was like that. Just loads of people who were like, I'm away from my wife and kids for one night. And they were just like, coke yeah. bottles fizzing over. You're like, this is a bit bleak. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I also, Oh, great success. But I reckon we are in a sort of slightly privileged position of being comedians. We get to spend a lot more time with our, kids i spoke i've spoken to a couple of mates of mine who've got proper jobs and all that and they basically said they didn't really feel like they got to know their kids in the first couple of years of life because babies are sort of you know you've, you've either got to spend a lot of time with them to have a to create a bond yeah you know or you're just not really going to get that bond until they're a, a toddler and they've got a personality and they want to get you know they can actually have some communication with them but i sort of i was just there from day one and she you know so much because of covid that I feel like that bond just fucking clicked very, very early on. Mm. And I just sort of obsess about it. I'm obsessed with her. It's what, like, sort of pathological. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I could just sit with her what, for what, hours. What a, nice, what a nice pathological obsession, though. It is. It's the best yeah. one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's uh, it's great. Are you doing, like, all the hippie stuff? So she breastfed... Or is it, sorry, what's the... Um, what's it, what is the child? A little girl. That's a girl. That's yeah. the best one as well. How old is she? Yeah, well, I did... Uh, she is now uh, five and a half months. Oh. I just I was saying on stage the other night uh, that, you know, obviously, hugely relieved not to have a boy because you don't yeah. want to bring another white man into the world. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and then... And then not I'm a real racist boy. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. God, awful, problematic. That's a funny bit. That's a funny idea for a routine. Yeah. But it, there's definitely part of me that was like, you know, in terms of the shifting uh, power dynamic of the world, you're yeah. like, we, have, we are, you know, quite rightly, we used to be the fucking alpha... <laughs> you know the yeah, apex yeah. predator of the world the white rise man. up kings but but quite rightly in the last you know chin up brothers the last 50 time years, will come again 
But no, this is very much this man is, down. It's been a shift. There's <laughs> a shift, and things are you know gradually getting more uh, equal across the across the board, right? Yeah. And still, there's still work to do, but like you know, we I don't think you can get away with what you're used to as one of us, right? So part of yeah. me is like. You know, I'm quite glad I've just got a little girl because she, you know, she's coming in as they're on the rise, isn't it? You know what I mean? Get one whose well, the, well, stock the, is rising. This is what I thought. And then I realised that actually she was going to be a, a quite affluent white lady whose parents work in the arts and they're the worst right. people on the planet. That is oh. true. It's, yeah. sort of, it's sort of dodging she's a bullet gonna, and getting a, hit by a, a missile. She's a Karen in waiting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. No offence to any Karens. She's going to have a Guardian column by the time she leaves Cambridge. Oh, <laughs> God, yeah. <laughs> Um, it is a funny yeah i mean it is you know that it's you can it's that's part of the thing i've tried to stop myself doing is hypothesizing about what she's gonna be and what she's gonna be like and my dad told me about that like it's basically there's nothing you do about it he was like you 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 become you work out very quickly that you're just a caretaker totally yeah yeah and one the best quote i read about parenthood which was uh, in pre pre parenthood. Get uh, them adopted, <laughs> Dalai Lama. It <laughs> um, was uh, parenthood is essentially signing up to be taken for granted for mm. for a huge part of their life. Yeah, you know what I mean, so they're going to take you for granted until they're probably in their thirties, and then they're going to go, oh, actually, they better get a father's day card. Eh? Yeah, <laughs> but you know, most of post the time, it to him. You ain't you ain't shit. You're just that fucking guy who puts the rules in place, and mm. you know, yeah, everything. All the other stuff you did is goes unseen, doesn't it? So Simon Munnery had that great thing about he was he was coming home from the hospital with his daughter, and the taxi driver was like, yeah, I got girls, you know, they steal. And then he mentioned it to a friend of his, like, do you, do you steal? And she's like, no. And he's like, from your dad? And she went, that's not stealing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It is like, but it's fun. It's fun. One's like, there's like, and there's, you just, you know, it's that wicked, that early stuff is when it's all the milestones. So when they start walking, that's funny as fuck, man. They just, they just become like, and when they start really communicating, even though they can't talk, that's, we're in that bit now. She can walk totally like she's off around the house all the time. But she can't speak yet, but she clearly wants to speak. But mm. she hasn't got the physical <laughs> development of her vocal cords. So she's like a gremlin just walking around, going, like making these f- f- funny noises that sound like she's trying to talk. So it's just like having a little, you just this little, little drunk person, a little drunk just nutter running around the house. I, I still it's haven't so got funny. over the smiling yet. Like that's the mm. one still just like when you see her in the morning and she goes, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Great. Um, Julian, so you're way further down the, the road than we are on this. Mm-hmm. Like uh, what, what? And you've got how many kids? Two, three? Um, let me just five, <laughs> five altogether. Yeah. Um. Yeah. By the time the fifth one was smiling, we were like, I just don't care anymore. Or, you know what? The fifth one on? actually, I probably, I mean, all of them I have good relationships with, but the fifth one I do more with, I guess, one on one. Right. So, yeah. like Ren, that is. So I take her swimming. I ne- never really had the one-on-one time as much with the others because they were fourteen months together, and they were like their mum was more involved. <clears throat> I don't know why it's just ended up like that. But yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Plus, I feel like I've had a lot of practice. 
yeah, and yeah, I'm a, I, I tell you what, I'm a so much more easygoing with Ren as well. Well, I think, yeah, there's, you had kids young as well, which I think is a big, you know, and obviously she came yeah. on when you were older. I've, I, like, I look at, sometimes I look at young parents and I'm like, how are you doing this? Because like, You've got more, yeah, you've got almost more stamina and stuff. Is it? Stamina, you, you just don't you just need as much sleep or maybe. Need, and also you just don't want to, all the other things you do, all the other things that you you might think you're missing out on in your third, like, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like now like, my favourite time is taking her swimming or something yeah. like that. That's my, fu- I wouldn't choose anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Partying or, you know, whatever with my mates. Yeah. Like yeah. that's my favourite thing to do. So it's, I'm, I'm that's really probably why. Interesting thing uh, mm. yesterday. Um, I'm an old geezer. Yeah, that's, it's not, isn't it? But well, you, um, we I, all are. This is very much a... I read a thing. And I'm, I didn't know anything that had happened that had led up to this. But basically, it was some Twitter thing in the last week. Uh, a journalist died called Dawn Foster, who I'd never heard of, you know, by all counts. Oh, yeah, she, yeah. Was, she was a good journalist and she was very nice. So yeah. a lot of people were very sad about that, right? Apart um, from Giles Corrin. Who was well, this is it. So Giles yeah. Corrin, apparently she had criticised him a bunch of times on Twitter uh, mm. openly. Uh, and he did a tweet sort of saying, like, it, what's the rules when somebody who trolled you dies? Are you allowed to sort of laugh and go, ha, ha, ha? But, be sad. but he said, like, but be sad for their families, whatever. And everyone's now fucking upset and saying, like, oh, God. And, like, but we, I mean, I, I've got no idea about that, what happened between those two people. So I couldn't give a shit. That's the truth. Sad to say. I didn't know who she was. I barely know who he is. Yeah. I hear his name every now and again because he does something that, like, is a bit cunty. Yeah, um, but a lot of people were. Cri- I saw a bit of people sharing this thing that he wrote, saying Giles Corrin hasn't got any any ch- any place to criticise anyone after writing this sort of pedo shit. And basically, he'd written an article about his daughter when she was three years old, and about how he went on. I think he must have gone on a little like weekend away, just him and her. And he wrote about it in this sort of. He basically said it was the most romantic weekend of his life. You know, you, he said yeah. in the sense of you literally sit around with them, staring at them, like you're in love so much. And it was everything he wrote. Uh, he sort of, dis- but then he said there is one bit where he sort of said it's sexual, and like in the sense of I think it's, I think he's trying to allude to the fact that previously you'd have thought about all this stuff you're doing as a sexual uh, endeavor, but actually when you have a daughter and you're a dad. You look at them, all the things that used to be to have that don't have that anymore, and you're just staring into their eyes. And I looking. wouldn't have wrote the sexual bit, Stan. The word sexual yeah, is or the romantic the, bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The sexual bit, I think, is the <laughs> one she, where people. an editor. Yeah, basically. As a professional journalist, you've got to know you're going to set yeah. off some alarm. But weirdly, <laughs> like, apart from that word, everything yeah. he wrote, I was like, that is absolutely spot on. As much as he's a fucking knob, right? By all accounts. So you're saying set for the boner. But you're saying something he wrote years ago was willfully misinterpreted to throw it on a charge sheet of a Twitter. I suppose, yeah, that's what's happened here. But actually, I like people were going, This is what he's written is pedos. And I read it, I was like, I can understand you thinking that word's a bit out of place in that bit, but everything he's written, other than that, I thought was it was really lovely. I was like, that's a really lovely thing to write about your daughter. I suppose he's talking I don't know, I didn't read it, but he's on a very deep level. Like if you read some of Freud's stuff, it's like like, fucked up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Cool. To be honest, I mean, Julian, I think you should have at it comment because I wouldn't have thought many people who were commenting on Twitter read it either. So just... I'll write. I'll, I'll write. A, <laughs> I'll block him then. I'll block him. 
but yeah but I, I, it was a weird thing because i literally had, didn't know any any of the background to what was happening in this twitter storm which isn't a storm it's it's a, probably 300 people tweeted out of fucking 8 billion people yeah. uh, but like i just yeah but that was i just that was the one thing i read and like all the criticism i was like i think actually that's quite a sweet thing he's written there and mm. you know if anything I've always just heard about him being a bit of a knob, and that reading that made me go, oh, I think he's probably actually under but, it quite a nice guy. But did you do a tweet going, hey, guys, I actually think this is really sweet. Did you do that tweet? Well, no, because I, I don't... Coward. I wouldn't do, Coward. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do a tweet ever. <laughs> I mean, my tweets are a dumb joke... Yeah. Or I'm retweeting a link to a gig I'm doing. I've got that's my hundred. That's what my about policy. from your other accounts. Just pure oh, that's just, hatred. Yeah, that's <laughs> hatred, mate. That is just that just, is just attacking Marcus him. Rashford every day. Um, <laughs> I would say that that is not an effective. Your way other to alias, your Andrew Lawrence. <laughs> he's back now. He's back. He had a little break and he's back. Is, he is back, Andrew Lawrence yeah. back on Twitter? Yeah, yeah. Oh, is he? Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's good to know. He's back. <laughs> he didn't delete the tweets either. Oh, so, so hang on. So <laughs> why was did he did he suspend? Yeah, his own yeah. Account? That's that's the thing you do if if a bar fight breaks out around you, you can just go and stand outside till it's you can down suspend your own account. I'd do yeah. that fucking every other week for a week just to sort of. Anyway, um, but it's yeah. I didn't. I I I very rare. I don't mean I've never. I never venture into any of these Twitter arguments. I spot. I, I actually normally miss them. I just see them now and again. Yeah. When I've gone on to, tw- to search, is Harry Kane leaving Tottenham? That's basically my. I go on Twitter for football updates. Yeah. I and, only uh, see things because I get sent them really, and then I go and search them. There yeah. is that as well. There's getting sent a screenshot in a comedian's WhatsApp group. If it's well, someone the thing you is, know, you- it's fun. Yeah. When, when you tell people that you don't want to, you're like, oh, yeah, I've, I sort of don't really look into it. And then you're on WhatsApp and people screen grab your stuff and send it to you. And you go, no, the reason that I'm not on it is I yeah, don't want to yeah. see this stuff. I don't mind that, though. I don't mind the one step removed. If somebody does the legwork for me and sends me something going, look at this fucking prick. I'm like, oh, I can live with that. We can have a conversation about it. I like it if someone's really riled up about it and I'm not really. And I'm like, it's funny what, yeah. watching how people are annoyed people. I are. love it. I love watching people at the minute. Uh, and it, like this happens. But this is, and again, this is any time I open it, just to look at what like, I've muted. So many people, I've muted so many words. You know, I genuinely have tried to curate it into funny pictures and funny jokes, funny yeah. videos, and football information. Right? Yeah. Uh, and but still, there's certain comedians that have, that get through the cracks, and like at the minute, I just keep opening it, and there's comedians having discussions about the vaccine i'm not fucking hell guys like out of everyone in the world i want the opinion of on the vaccine two comedians who i know have absolutely no uh brains other than being able to write a funny joke and not the people i sort of want that information from that is the problem with comedians like latterly it's all things like vaccines climate change politics and stuff like well blah 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 and coming in with this it's since they started allowing comedians on question time and everyone's like right, oh okay, my god like, we are phenomenally ill-informed people Abs- and, we, and also, we, don't, we don't have the stresses and the strains of normal working members of society either no we don't even commute like, with everyone we don't, don't know. Yeah, <laughs> we're no, totally like, outside of it we're also got we've got an ego Anyone who, like we've got the same level. I think the same level of ego as politicians. You know, there's a whole thing about yeah. anyone who wants to be in that position shouldn't. You shouldn't trust their opinion. Mm. I think comedians are that as well. Like anyone who thinks they should be, you know, in a room full of strangers sitting one direction, you should be the one turning the other way with a right? microphone <laughs> yeah, yeah. in your hand. Yeah, yeah. your comed- opinion should be discounted. The loudest voice in the, the room. moment you turn around is what a, is co- what a comedian I think. said. A phenomenal thing to me the other day. 
uh, and he really hit the nail on the head. He said uh, comedy has really suffered in the last 10 years from the uh, decline in journalism internships. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think it's declined because people are getting a bit too fond of their own voices rather than the sound of an audience laughing, which used to be the main driver behind what behind being a comedian. But that thing with things sort of going, um, am I mad? But it's just like, is this... <laughs> yeah, prob probably. Um, it's like the thing, like an Edinburgh show is is about the same word count as a as an undergraduate politics dissertation yeah but does not require the same level of uh notations and bibliography yeah, and yeah, reading yeah, yeah, to write yeah. one so we keep people come out and just like but that's what we do like it's it's a kind of magic trick in terms of getting people to listen to you but that can be uh i think it's fine as long as you're like it's a piss take and the whole thing's a piss take it's when yes. you go oh yeah but actually i will lead the charge in this they go no, there are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've read. I weirdly, I, I, I read a funny article um, about Bo Burnham's special yeah. um, on Netflix, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. I loved it. I thought it was funny. I thought it was incredibly produced. You know, the, the work put in was next level. And I just thought it was really great. And yeah, I did like. Even though it goes, it does goes the old sort of quite extreme, uh, dark last sort of third. Uh, I just thought, as a piece of work, it was quality, and I laughed. They, they had a few moments that made me laugh as much as anything I've ever watched, right? Yeah. And I just read this article. Even me. Um, yeah, the first time I heard your bits, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's just diminishing returns for a decade. Um, Got some new bits now, guys. Can you see me tonight? Vauxhall comedy. Are you at Vauxhall tonight? Quality. Tomorrow um, I uh, sorry, you were saying. But this article was somebody. That they basically they were criticising the special for being irresponsible in its sort of they rec they sort of said Bo Burnham is su suggesting that he lives in this bedsit and he's stuck there and it's like and it's sort of a, because it covers his mental health it was like it suggests he's just this lonely man in his bedsit stuck there and I was like no at no point of watching it did I think. Well, this is Bo Burnham's, like, this is Bo Burnham's whole house that he's living in. I was like, this is probably his workspace. Even if he's... it is, it's a comedy show. Well, it's a comedy yeah. show, but also, he, you know, the whole point is he's got, to, he's got to do a special and he's locked, in his, he's locked in his house. And I was like, oh, this is his little studio he's to make his special. And the show is about his diminishing mental health during lockdown, but also with the pressure of trying to create a Netflix special on your own in your fucking studio. Like, that's the point of the show. Uh, yeah. And it so and then it throughout it makes loads of comments on the world and social media and, and the pressures that are on people now even in your own house, uh, and I I don't understand how a journalist couldn't make that leap to get to that and actually would assume that oh well loads of people are watching this and thinking Bo Burnham is a poor sort of man who lives in a bedsit it's like no one thinks that he's a multi millionaire actor director comedian also who cares like yeah, as long as they're enjo as long as they're well. enjoying it. As long as it's funny that's all it that's like that's the whole deal that's all you're paying for like it doesn't have to be anything more than that so as long as it satisfies that he's, he's done everything that he, he hasn't got to be responsible for this, anything is he i know either yeah. watch it or don't like also, it or don't. i mean i know i saw some people are saying like i know a couple of comedians that didn't like it and they did bloody tweets going like it's not comedy and it was like, that's, again, that's, it's, so what? If you didn't like it and think it was funny, that doesn't mean it's not comedy. You know, comedy's uh, Red, art, comedy is like art. It's not art. Red, it's Red, like Richardson, art. Said, Red Richardson said to me, 
a couple of years ago we were talking about something similar to this and he went what happened to uh, people just going oh, that's not my cup of tea it's not, it's not yeah, yeah, yeah. Going, yeah you like go there's loads of stuff like i don't like football but it doesn't make me angry that other people do yeah, yeah, so yeah. see that you know there's there's things for there's so much stuff now particularly with the internet it's like you don't you can go and seek out your own thing but on, like on the on the flip side of that it does annoy me when people who like certain genres of something are, are, are like right now we're here all other genres need to go away and you're like <laughs> like no it's just no. like we all like led zeppelin and you're into christian rock that's cool yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> but yeah. like now all rock music doesn't get deleted because you're like everything has to be about the lord and there's been a, there's there's been a real kind of movement towards that, and you go, it's not helpful or like yeah, mature. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's true. It's also the assumption that you're sort of, especially if if it's in types of comedy that work in certain types of room. That sometimes I've you know I've had quite casual green room conversations with comedians after they've had you know a bad gig at a, a big weekend club. And it's a nice chat, man. <laughs> <laughs> it meant a lot <laughs> you know we had to talk Julian down off the window ledge <laughs> he's hanging out the window of the glee <laughs> took the roof off by the way but like where their suggestion was that you know uh, they were like yeah this sort of this sort of gig isn't really for me you know it doesn't I, my, my stuff doesn't really work here and part of me is like... They say they, that at every gig. Yeah, but they've said it in a tone <laughs> as if the gig is the issue there. It's like, I know, you, yeah. You, yeah. You Too took, smart for them. If you yeah, took yeah. the gig, you must have had a suspicion that you'd be able to do well at the gig. And it's almost they retrospectively are saying, uh, well, you know, actually, it's probably them. They're not really my sort. Some and people actually, think their stuff is, is smart just because they mentioned Plato. But it just goes to a cock joke, and like just because you say the word Shakespeare, or they think doesn't it's smart make because it clever. It's not, it's not, but you know, it's, it doesn't follow the standard form of a joke, and it doesn't end on a big laugh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But like you know, it's that thing of I've seen fucking, I've seen Simon Munnery kill the Glee. Do you know what I mean? I've seen and yeah. Simon yeah. Munnery, where you would not say is a mainstream comedian. Like he's he's about as alternative as you know Phil K. People like that, mad fuckers, do yeah, stuff yeah. on stage that. You know, it's beyond anything. Like, well, Kitson could did it everywhere, didn't he? Yeah, and but I mean, Kitson, I think crosses that line between Kitson, you know, Dean. You know what I mean? <laughs> the the two big guns, <laughs> Blur and Oasis. The two big bollocks of comedy, <laughs> Billy Ballbags, <laughs> Billy Big Nuts. But yeah, I just think you know, I, I I totally get. I think you do have to curate your own gigs. I stopped doing jonglers way before they shut because I actually did find them hard to play. Bang. I was like, I found it hard to do it on their terms as audiences, yeah. and that is one. I, I didn't want to give them a bad night. I was like, let another comedian who can play these gigs do it and kill it. Sometimes they were just too rowdy though. Like they, they couldn't even. It was just too much. Totally. But I I made the decision that I wasn't the right act for the gig, and I stopped doing the gigs rather than do the gig and afterwards go, yeah, they just didn't really get. What I do, you know what I mean? It's like fucking have some self-respect, you know. I, I did. Mean? I did an open spot in Wimbledon years ago with this guy, and he he went out and um, his set was predominantly about um, uh, sexually abusing kids. Okay, absolute. Uh, you know, should have said hi, man. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, like really sort of like dark stuff and, and then and then like murdering women and stuff. And we were having oh, a cigarette God. immediately afterwards. And he like he died a, you know, it just complete silence because there wasn't a, 
it wasn't funny. Are we having a, a cigarette? <laughs> it's weird, it just though. wasn't. It just wasn't funny. And we were having a cigarette outside, and he was just like, "Yeah, I'm quite ahead of my time." And he went, "A lot of audiences aren't ready for really dark shit." Oh and it's God. just like they've all been at work all week, and you just went out and said a series <laughs> of horrible like things. Just like their ego protecting themselves. Yeah. I'm ahead of my time. Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah, it's weird actually. That audiences aren't on board with pedo yet. Being yeah, a yeah. Pe- being a pedo. But it's like you can you can you can say whatever you like, but there, there wasn't a joke there. You just no. said a series of horrendous things. Like absolutely. <laughs> and you were like, you're like, yeah, you can't take hearing that. It's like, well, no. I mean, everybody can take hearing anything. It's just there has to be a point to it. And also, yeah, you yeah. have you have to be charming enough and funny enough to do it. Look, someone like Jim Jeffries is a fucking worldwide star. Yeah. And Jim's done some stuff that is absolutely <laughs> horrific on paper, but always uh, with I mean, good joke structure in well, there. He knows what <laughs> he's doing. He's a charming guy. He's always he's he's always one thing I will say. You know, and Jim will get his detractors, but I've I've worked with Jim loads. I supported him on his last UK tour when like before he got America famous. Yeah. And you know, watching Jim night after night, it's not what I would do on stage. It's not my sort of stuff that I would I would do as as a comedian, but. He always there was always a sense of vulnerability to him that he was all that he was aware that I'm yeah I'm a fucking dick you know what I mean he was there was a, there was a self awareness skillful that, people do that they become the butt of it in a sense yeah he was always like Bill in, Burr he, does that doesn't he yeah 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 so that's I when think, people like talk about oh punching up and punching down and stuff if you watch the really good people it's always punching inwards. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. I saw a really funny. Uh, I'm an idiot name, like that. Jamie, someone. I need to remember his name. He's a Glaswegian act. Fox. And he had a really funny joke when I kicked <laughs> with him at the um, Glasgow Glee, I think, or Glasgow Stand. And he basically said, you know, there's a lot of talking comedy um, about punching up. You know, you can't punch down you can only punch up and he was like i'm from glasgow i'll punch any fucking person i want <laughs> it's, like, it's a really funny it's a really funny joke <laughs> but chris rock said that about punching down and up didn't he and people have just kind of been saying it ever since i know it's sort of like it's, i much. think it's a bit of a a non a non-argument like i just think if it, anything can be funny if it's done in the right way and it doesn't matter who you're punching. Yeah, and if it's like, a bit mean to a disabled kid, it's just, no, I don't think people will laugh anyway. I don't either. Yeah. Or Unless the disabled some... kid looks hilarious. Not really. <laughs> but like, I don't think people will laugh, will they? No. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? The, te- the test is when people go, if something's unacceptable, like, you know when something's unacceptable because there will be silence after you've said it. Yeah, yeah. Like audiences yeah. are really good at uh, being self-policing entities oh, a lot so of the time. Actually. I don't think the worst audience would laugh uh, if you just went up and did a joke about a Down syndrome kid. No, laughing at either. them. Yeah, no. You know, like, who would think, laugh at that? I think actually a lot of this chat about punching down sometimes actually shows a lack of trust in the audience. To yeah, be the, definitely. The sort of judges of of what's being said yeah it's um, uh I, I when i started it was uh like louis ck and bill burr and stuff were kind of big guys jim jeffries and things and somebody explained to me I, I cannot remember who it was but like people trying to go dark and do like really edgy stuff they said it's basically when they're watching guys like that do it it, it looks really effortless but essentially it's that watching that sushi chef who can prepare the fish where if you get it wrong a millimeter on either side you kill the diner yeah, and it's like yeah, an open yeah. mic open mic are going up to the fish with a mallet going i've got this with his eyes closed just smashing <laughs> yeah. up the table <laughs> 
Definitely. It's like, what are you going to try and do for your for your first uh, for your first set? It's like, well, I'm going to try and t- tackle some uh, like yeah, racism. Yeah. I'm going to go in pretty hard on that disability. That's stuff like, yeah, yeah. Because oh, no, it's like, always it's always the same as well. And this isn't criticizing. You know, it's not criticizing all new acts, but you know, they all every, we all make the same mistakes. When I was in new acts, I had jokes about paedophilia that I thought were fucking great, and ultimately they're just essentially puns based on a horrific topic and you just you, you get it out of your system as quick as possible hopefully you know for me it was very quick that I was doing that and then I was like what am I talking about and I learned not to but yeah some just don't seem to learn I've got an excellent pedo joke but... I mean um, you have but yeah it, again you're a good enough joke writer that you this um, is correct. Get it I, I saw this bloke once. Uh, How you get away with it with your lack of charisma? I don't know. It's a different thing. <laughs> I, I saw this amazing thing. It's an like, acquired uh, taste. <laughs> no, I think you've got a perfect. I think to get away with a dark joke, perfect physical structure. You've got a perfect um, sort of torso. I think people trust that you are, you know, morally corrupt. When you're on stage, <laughs> I think I'm a good guy, and people, it, no, you know, I that's do. a vibe. I, that's I a think, vibe people I, get. I, I totally think people trust you. They trust your mm. judgment, and, and they can tell that you're right. And the, Very the joke, the joke is crafted to the point of like, this is what it's this is worth listening I mean. to. It's perfect. Um, yeah. It's also been done so many times that it cannot fail. <laughs> it's bulletproof. <laughs> Been tried and tested. People like policing other people's jokes. I remember, like, uh, this was again about 10 years ago now. I saw this guy at an open mic night just get like a double tap shot from an audience. And it was oh, really, quality. it was amazing. So he went up and said this horrendous thing and he went, little bit of ironic casual racism for you yeah. there. And this guy went, wasn't that ironic, mate? And he went, like that, and then just from the other side of the room, someone went, "Wasn't that fucking casual either?" And he went back. And he just Laters, mate. Yeah, and he finished and then went off. And you're like, "That's fine. He's gonna. He will never do that again. He's yeah, gonna sit yeah. on the tube. He's gonna think about that. It will wake him up at three o'clock in the morning." Yeah. It's like it didn't need a Twitter storm or someone to write an article yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It was just like it's it's fine. That's what those things are for. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's um, it's no, yeah, it's quite nice. I quite, I quite like it when an audience just calls it, you know what I mean, and goes, like, "Come on, mate, you've had you've had your you've had your fun." Yeah. Even not about stuff like that. I'm not talking about when people cross the line. I'm just talking about even when somebody's just bad, you know what I mean? I, I, I think I'm not for heckling. Don't get me wrong, but I do think sometimes an audience are allowed to point out if a comedian is just not good. Do you know what I mean? Like it's sort of ultimately it's almost sort of Darwinian, isn't it? Like I'm sure character I'm, building stuff well, yeah but no, I've sort of, I must have told it on here before but I remember doing a gig you should say that when you're comparing before you bring them on <laughs> oh by the way guys <laughs> you have the right <laughs> no, we got new a at night we got a tradition here at the comedy store of letting people on to try stuff out now do remember <laughs> they are bad <laughs> they are don't bad, forget the power please, you have please do tell them take the power yeah. back but no, like I saw a, uh, I saw a, a guy do an open spot. Who was you know he was a guy who'd been around a few years. He's I think he's still kicking about. Um, he was I don't think he was ever going to kick on from that you know mid range gig to like he was you know you couldn't even f- perceive him at like the comedy store or something. Like, he'd be so out of place compared to the caliber of the other acts, right? Thank but you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> relentless, isn't it? Um, I uh, it was I, I reckon I've told it on here before, but it was I just I I found this quite refreshing. But I was at the Birmingham Glee. This person was doing a middle spot of ten minutes, and they 
went on on a really solid bill opener had had a real smasher i think i was hosting and this guy just went on and was just just not good enough genuinely like he was treading water for seven or eight minutes just getting the odd titter from a, a couple of people so that you know it wasn't full silence there was now and again but it just wasn't good enough to be on that stage and you know and he kept sort of like acting like it was going all right almost doing that weird nlp thing of like try and tell them it's going fine to try and convince the bookers that you're not dying on your ass and then somebody from the audience just quite loudly went oh mate you are boring like that (laughs) (laughs) and it fucking just sideswiped the guy he couldn't recover from it you know and I, i i i sort of have i had no that's that's rude what that person did but i have no issue with it i was like they have absolutely hit the nail on the head there that person was not good enough and i don't think that's yeah it wasn't somebody who was doing their third gig and needed all the support in the world this is somebody who'd been going for seven or eight years and need i think needed to be told you're not good enough for this gig tough love in it yeah i know it sounds (laughs) harsh but i think they were taking up they were taking up the space of somebody who could have been a really uh, exciting person who'd been going a couple of years and was getting their first Thank chance you. to show themselves at the game. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Simon Cowell's argument, isn't it? When people say, oh, he's really he's really nasty. And he was like, I, you know, you've got to nip this in the bud for a lot of Sometimes I think you do. Like, yeah. you know, I don't think that and should it's be great the norm across the board. But like... well, audiences <clears throat> do think that comedians are thicker skin than they are as well, don't they? Totally, yeah, totally. Yeah, like he's up there, they probably think he's kind of thick-skinned, confident. But he was acting thick-skinned and confident. And he, he was actually. I do think night, he probably. was. I don't know if he did. I genuinely think he, he was. He had the just went and got a job behind the bar. <laughs> <laughs> just leave, put the mic back in the stand. <laughs> got any vacancies? Well, no, actually, he's stop putting the chairs away after the gig. You know, a very successful solicitor. Yeah, and yeah. He, he owes everything to that person. That it's night. true though. That that probably that's probably happened, isn't it? I don't yeah. think it happens that that often in comedy. Um, we, I, I was doing a gig with uh, Pierre Novelli and this guy that we'd met in Edinburgh. He was a really nice, really nice bloke. But again, he's one of those guys who was like, it's hopeless, it was never going to happen. <laughs> and like he, he came down and he was like, all oh, right. And we said, oh, do you want to go up? So we went up and he was dreadful. And then we were having a drink afterwards. And he was like, I've just quit my job. I've sold everything and I've moved to London. I'm going to make it as a comedian. And we were there like having a drink with him. And and then he he left and walked down the street. And Pierre's got a really, he's really good at sort of nailing stuff like that. And he was just like, God damn, that's the saddest thing I've ever seen. Because that man basically just told us he was going to ruin his entire life. And there was nothing that we could do other than go, you go for it. (laughs) It's going to take the only life he ever had and smash his head against a brick wall for the next 10 years. Brutal, man. Absolutely. He might learn that. I mean, you know, in the other side of it, it's good. He's kind of just going for it and taking a massive risk where the odds, I mean, it's not. Well, no, because everybody has talents that they're like, everybody is good at something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but but uh, you know so many of those people don't stop and it's i think it's genuinely <laughs> tragic <laughs> they, just, they just don't stop <laughs> do you know what stop yeah I mean, but you're like you're good at something go and find out what that is like there is yeah, something yeah, yeah. that you will like yeah. your, your effort to reward yourself. ratio is going to be good for you but a lot of that thing that keeps people going long after they probably should you know and I, I don't get me wrong, I don't mind people who just do something as a hobby. I think if they're absolute hobbyists are allowed in comedy. I've got no issue with that, right? Yeah. But it's the ones that you you can tell think, A, think they're better than they are, and B, mm. th- 
think it's going to happen. It's going to happen one day. And they, because they've always, I think, obsessed with that sort of 10,000 hours Malcolm Gladwell type thing or yeah, the, yeah. the Eddie Izzard 10 year thing. You know, when you Eddie Izzard made years. that documentary, you had people like going around going, Eddie just died on his night, uh, arse every night for like nine years. And then, like, one day he uh, was, um, you know, he was playing the O2. And it like and that. Like, and like, that no. like people that. have got that X marked on their 10 year date and they're just yeah, sitting there yeah, waiting. Yeah. But it just doesn't happen. It's very rare. I can, I can, I can only think of a couple. Go and gig on that ten-year day and just die again. <laughs> just get a new calendar for ten years' time. Put another X. Another ten year back to the drawing. Oh, uh, if I was honest myself, I wasn't working for five thousand of those ten thousand yeah, hours. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, like I can only think of a couple of people that, like that I've seen early doors and, and like within a few years, and I've thought, oh, these are going to be the eternal open spot. And actually, you see them, and three years down the line, and they're like, "Oh fuck, they've actually kicked on, and they're starting to starting to get it." Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, but it's a rarity. Yeah. Normally, you see them three years later; they're doing the same bad material. And people and work the same really response. hard, and they're honest with themselves. They can get better, can't they? Yeah. Well, it's not as you mentioned earlier in the podcast. Like, it's often mistaken for an art. And it's not; it's a craft, and yeah. crafts can be artful, like beyond a yeah, certain point. Yeah, I think there's a cross. There is a Venn diagram where they, yeah. a comedy can be art. And but it's, like, it's, that it's if if you're doing comedy and, it, and if you if you go on stage and you've, it's, you're doing a bunch of jokes you're in, it's comedy. Just because yeah. it, it, the people doesn't get laughed, it doesn't mean it doesn't prove it's not comedy. That's that's why it's similar to art as well. In that art is yeah. sort of in the eye of the artist rather than the Subjective, beholder, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's a lot like cooking. I genuinely think like professional comedy is like chefing in that like there's a basic skill level of like nice skills and knowing what mixes with what and structure and stuff. But then like at like the top level of it, you're trying to get ingredients that have never gone together before to do something. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when people say it's subjective, you go yes. Whether or not that quail is better than that steak is a matter of taste. But whether or not that egg is cooked or not isn't. Yeah, and I think, and yeah, I think yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. that subjectivity argument is used by people to go, yeah, yeah, it's just a load of smashed yolks on the floor and he's cut just, off his fingers. Just a off. chef just throwing <laughs> eggs out the door into <laughs> yeah. the restaurant. And you go, no, no, it's actually only subjective at the very top level. It's yeah. completely, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's com- below a line. It's completely objective, and <laughs> yeah, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't help anyone to ignore that fact. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is correct. Um, uh-huh. I actually thought to, to steer it round uh, onto food. There, I, I I thought we were going to talk about veganism a lot more than we have. We this. never talk about veganism. It's almost like it, I'd say it comes up about once every twenty episodes. That's very well, disappointing because I because, because I'm about. I'm interested. Are you what? You're going to go vegan? No, but I, I'm oh, I am just, <laughs> I'm just interested. I'm just interested in it. Uh, it. Well, it's one of those. I got gout during uh, lockdown. Um, <laughs> Sorry, funny. thank you very much. Because you're not a medieval king. Yeah. How, how yeah. do you get gout these days? Um, well, it actually, it's it's not it's not from like people say. Oh, it's port and red wine and all stuff like that. And I actually I don't drink wine or spirits or anything. I just uh, I just drink beer. And I thought during lockdown, I was being quite sensitive to just have a couple of cans of beer here and there. But it was, you know, a lot of couple of three cans, four yeah. cans in the afternoon in succession. Um, that that'll re- that'll really do it. Um, plus, but, plus dietary stuff as well. A bit, but not like not a huge amount. But when you go on the NHS, it's to do with like uh, purine levels in food yeah. and, and and what you're eating and drinking. When you go on the NHS website, the purine index is there's stuff that that you wouldn't think would be on it like uh sardines right right at the top sardines tuna um mm. certain types of pork like red meat's quite far down the list um but yeah so uh 
and the best way to get rid of it, you, you stop drinking and you go vegetarian for for a bit. So I, right. so I did I did that, and um, I, the best vegetarian cuisine that I found Indian they really they it's really definitely. So, yeah really sorted out. I, I was talking to Ahish Shah about it, and he sent me a whole like Indian spice kit. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be cooking it's, the, like, it's you know basically I'd say yeah vegetarian indian like it's vegan south indian as you go down south that is almost exclusively vegan mexican is the next best i'd say in yeah. terms of you know just take out the sort of meat and everything like, you can just do like you just work with i associate, I associate, I associate sort of mexican and south american food being quite cheese-based so, um can be but just take you can take that out or use a vegan cheese but like just nice in terms bean of like burrito, burritos tacos all of that with black beans you know black beans are sort of the norm right. you know it's actually yeah sort of it's very it's a very easy vegan italian uh, food's quite hard isn't it depends what you're going for like you know sort of your standard pasta dishes you could easy to make vegan in it well if you've got your sort of what's it called well, you've got eggs in pasta though haven't you no standard pasta's just um semolina uh, oh, okay. wheat whatever durham wheat um so no it's yeah it's only egg it specifies egg pasta and it's the rare that's the rarity where are you guys on the whole uh the fast food people clamoring to make vegan options i, I think it's good to have options everywhere but like you know i'm not gonna eat i'm not eating i've never had a kfc vegan burger because i ain't going in kfc there's, that's there's my a new vegan of... there's a new vegan whopper yeah i mean again i've i've had one in an airport about two years ago and it was fine, but I'm not rushing back to Burger King. I suppose King it's or... a good thing, though, isn't it? Yeah, I totally support it because I think it's good for it's good for an emergency for a vegan who can't find anything else. It's also good for a non-vegan who sees it and goes, "Oh, I'll try that. And see what that's all about." Um, I, didn't, I just saw Julian unrolling a toilet roll. I was like, just about to drop a deuce on camera. I've just I've just got a toilet roll holder next to my bed from lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> how, how um, long have you been vegan julian is that is it a relatively new thing for you um about an hour no about um <laughs> about five years six years maybe something wow, like that i mean i've slipped a handful of times in that time but you know 99 percent vegan in that time yeah i tried, I've, i gave up bread once and that was very difficult so the idea of giving up i just think like one of the things about our lifestyle like motorway service stations and things late at night it's it is hard possible to find things that don't have bread mm. in them yeah like all convenience it's... food is some form of something wrapped in bread or something melted on bread yeah yeah it's at any time i've gone on a little diet just to shift a few kilograms the the most successful ones have been cut out when i've cut out bread uh, i've tried to just stick to like proper whole foods and uh, after sort of dinner time you know once i've had my dinner Anything after that is just fruit or veg. I'm not allowed anything that's not fruit or veg. So, on a dry, yeah. on, a, on a late night, you, no matter what you say, you just ban yourself anything else. So you've got to eat a fucking banana and an apple on the way home, and that's it. And you just watch your body just go. Ooh. Yeah, I did a couple of years ago. I gave up bread and did intermittent fasting and lost two and a half stone in yeah. quite quite. Well, quickly. How were you doing the fasting? Like uh, eight uh, hours window, yeah, sixteen the, the hours. Hour eight hour window so that's i'm actually doing that i started doing that a couple of weeks ago and i'm gonna it's really stop good for you as long as you get the right food in that eight hours eh? yeah and it's it doesn't take long for you to adjust to it like first couple of days like you're really hungry and then literally by the end of the week when you start yeah like i didn't i didn't eat anything today till uh half 11 so i'm sort of 11 7 yeah and yeah it wasn't like when, I, when we first started doing it, you're like, oh, shit, when I get to 11 o'clock, you're like, right. Yeah, and now yeah. I'm just like, oh, it's after 11, I'll have something to eat. As yeah, opposed yeah. To... Just take it easy, eh? Yeah, yeah. Because you don't, you don't have that, you're not 
yeah, the, the adjustment period is after 48 hours. I didn't find it like difficult at all, yeah, which yeah. is an indication that it's like, yeah, your body can adjust to this quite easily. It's quite a good idea. Why did um, I got ill? I got I got gastroenteritis a few weeks back, and uh, and couldn't eat solid foods for a uh, a week, right? And that first two days I couldn't because I was literally bedridden and everything was coming out my batty hole. And then I had a day where I tried to eat some, and that set it off again. So I had to, so from the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I just went basically. I just drank water. I drank Dyrolites, so I was getting you know what electrolytes and all that. And a couple of times I had a dry bit of toast, and you know, it actually, I found the, 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 there was a two-day period where I didn't even have any dry toast. I literally was just drinking electrolytes every couple of hours, and by the end of the second day, the hunger had just gone. I was like, "Oh right, I'm just I just don't eat anymore." Apparently, yeah. and my body felt, you know, I was I was a bit I wasn't going to go for a run. You know, what I mean, <laughs> my body I wasn't full of energy, but I wasn't like crawling along the floor. I just. I just you but you it's funny it's quick it's funny how quick your body adjusts. Yeah. I okay, like, I I quit smoking um 6 months ago, 7 months ago now. No, longer than that. October, so nearly 9 months. Um and I've, I I'm now like cuz I cuz I've done that successfully. I'm like I can I can fucking I can quit do all, anything. I can do anything. I can quit all sorts <laughs> yeah. of stuff. Um but that was I've tried to do that thousands of times before and it's the cliche thing like Sarah's pregnant so like Right, stopped over, stopped, yeah, 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 yeah. and now like I don't, I don't miss it. I've slipped a couple of times, but one of the times that I I slipped, like my vape ran out of battery, and someone was like, "Oh, you can have a cigarette," and I I took a toke on the cigarette, and then my I just had to go to the loo immediately and just vomited battery yeah. acid, and my body was like, "No, like absolutely yeah, that's good. Like, no." And it it felt like oh, okay we've crossed a yeah yeah yeah, here. But yeah what I, happened though because what happened to me when I quit smoking I had that exact thing for the first year once I'd sort of got through that first couple of months the thought of having one disgusted me and like yeah. I couldn't I had a couple of drags when I was pissed I was like oh that's disgusting a couple of years down the line I son I was at a barbecue and a bit pissed and so I had oh, give me a roly and I had it and I was like oh this is actually relatively pleasant but I don't want more than one. Yeah, and, and now I just I just exist in that every I'd say once a quarter I'll be a bit pissed and I'll have a couple of rollies off someone and yeah. that is absolutely it. There's not a single part of me that wants to start smoking off the back of it. It feels like a little illicit memory from the past. I, I really miss like since things have opened up. I think again like lockdown might have been something that's making it easier, but like, I really do miss the uh, being able just to nip outside for a cigarette. Yeah, point, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Your little sort of social parachute. You're like, sorry, I'm just gonna. Yeah, it's it's situation got to get feeling... away from this conversation. Though. Yeah, if you're just feeling slightly uneasy about something, or you're not enjoying a conversation, or something, you can just and there's no no one deems it rude. No, it's just allowed. They just go, they just go, yeah, they go, yeah, that's absolutely fine. Um, stand outside. Talking of that, we should probably end this conversation. Uh, yeah, I've just seen the time. <laughs> we've been going, no, I, 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 when you said that, I looked at the time. I was like, we've been banging on for over an hour. What what flavour um, vape do you have? Mint. Oh, mint. nice! Just pure menthol. mint. Menthol. It's a. Uh, it's a V Pro. Nicotine level. Uh, this is three milligrams. It's right. Are you going to bring it down to? Well, it was. It started at twelve. So I've gone twelve nine six Ooh. on three, which is cool. which is pretty. That's pretty low. And is yeah. the plan to take it to zero for and then see what happens? Yeah, but uh, it, it is. 
but I, I do like, I mean, Julian and I have both been vaping throughout this conversation. I, I do quite like it. And it's one of those things of having a coffee or particularly having a pint. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to have a pint without a vape because it just, right, yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. that first like two inches at the top of a pint and it, it whatever your brain, it just yes. switches off any cravings or anything. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But then I'm not sure I want to become one of those people who's just constantly surrounded by a cherry cloud of smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Julian. And I think I'm, like... I'm, I'm, I'm the borderline of that at the moment, just like this mental yeah, yeah, vapor yeah. cloud around me. But um, yeah, I'll phase it out. Right. So we should do some uh, thanks for coming on. It's been great. It's been really, it's flown I've, by, is what it's done. Very, thanks very much for having me. As I said, all my stuff got cancelled because of the pingdemic. So I know. You got treat. pinged. Have you been pinged or the stuff no, you're doing has been, no, was, it, was ping related? The, the Just the Tonic in Birmingham is closed this weekend oh, due to pings. Fuck. 21 oh. Soho in London is closed tonight due to pings. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. God. Bill Murray's shut due to pings. I heard about that, actually. It's. A, I mean, it's. We're all on a tightrope, innit? I've been very lucky the last couple of weeks and not be pinged yet, but I'm sure it's going to happen at some point. Delete the app. Yeah, everyone's got to delete the app. Like, two North Down on Tuesday night was the opening night. 25 ticket holders didn't show up due to pings. Well, I, a gig I was the... doing on Wednesday was cancelled because two, like, two, yeah, about two-thirds of the audience got pinged. So. Yeah, but the uh, venues now don't have to have the little track and trace to come right. in so they've all taken it down and as julian said everyone's deleting the app because yeah, yeah, yeah. i've got right. double vaxxed there we come go. on we sorted yeah. um quick plugs you do a podcast i do do a podcast we're uh, we're on a break at the moment but there are 19 20 episodes of laughable series one you can go and have a look at with red richardson and jade with, Adams. indeed um and We've both been on this pod i think so, oh yeah, wicked they, okay so complete the set over the years um yeah. and also edinburgh mate let's talk let's just give just when's your what dates and where are you at is monkey your barrel i think it is the fifth to the 12th i'm 10th 5th to something around then um, i've got a new album out as well for the last the last show uh that we were allowed to do has just been released by 800 pound gorilla records and is on uh it's called smile and it's on uh spotify apple music wherever you want excellent um, yeah so go and have a listen to that have a bloody listen mate well that's that that's the end of an episode We've thanks a lot of fun thanks to garrett for joining us thank any admin julian Thanks to all our new patrons. Patrons, yes. Um, new catch-up went up on there yesterday. Mm-hmm. There'll be some more. We announced a little thing on there yesterday. It's a little secret, but we'll talk, do that on here another time. Um, and that's that, innit? People can sign up at patreon.com forward slash wertvi, but otherwise episodes are going out weekly as normal on everywhere. Share it. Give it a review. Just have fun, everyone. Don't get pinged. Um, Garrett, cheers, mate. Good to see you. Thanks, Good to see you, man. That's all from me, Carl Donnelly. And me, Julian Dean. <laughs> okay. <with> my croaky, vague <laughs> <bait> voice. <laughs> all right, <laughs> bye. Bye. I'm the right, bro. <laughs>